Hi there, I'm Scott Martin from Bonzo Matsu and this is the Bonzo Stuff podcast. The podcast about all things Bonsai, it's been running for this its fifth season now, so if you're fresh to the podcast, welcome. If you're, uh, if you're coming back because you've listened to me drone on for a while now, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. So this, uh, this episode of the Bonsai Stuff podcast is going to focus on a really, probably a pivotal uh, day in my life when I went uh, to study in Japan. So I'm getting back to the Japan journey trip, the very first trip I did back in 2012. And this is specifically relating to a really interesting time that I had in um, being involved in the professional side of, of Bonsai, where they were setting up for Kokofu, the, uh, the large one of the large Japanese shows and one of the, the best in the world. And it was uh, it was mind blowing. So I want to um, want to let you know a bit of background on that, how I got involved, and what my experiences were, and hopefully you find it enjoyable. So thanks for listening in. I really appreciate it as always. And um, let's get into it. So it was day six of my trip, my first trip in, um, it's actually the start of February in 2012, and we were around the nursery and we had to load up the van to take uh, stock trees to go to, um, from Aichien in Nagoya to Dajuen, which um, which is another major nursery over there, which is related to, to sort of Aichien where I stayed, and it's where um, all different nurseries came together to load vans to head on up to Tokyo to drop off for the sales area at the Green Club as well as for the setup of the show. So this day we loaded up. We had uh, one tree on display at Kokofu from HEN, a uh, beautiful jasmine, semi-cascade, and there was other uh, other trees for sale as well. And we drove about 40 minutes to take um, take these these 13-odd trees, I think it was, and a uh, heap of stuff for the sales area, displays, you know, rocks, whatever it was. And it was um, it was incredible. So we we tore off to to Dajuen, get there, and there was um, there was a heap of heap of trees there, and big vans specifically set up just for for carting bonsai around that I'd never seen before. That uh, that were getting loaded up with all these trees, and they were important trees, so they were they were tagged and and registered as important trees and had previously won the uh, the top awards at the Cockfish show. And um, we basically just hustled and bustled and and used as labor, I suppose, to, to cut all these things and, and put them into the into the vans and, and get everything ready to, to go. So that was basically most of, of that day. And we headed back to Aichien, got back there in time for, for dinner and um, – just before dinner, I think it was. So I got to to rework on a or keep continue working on a tree that was in front of me at that time. It was a beautiful old uh, Japanese white pine that I was styling and wiring and that sort of stuff. So went from doing all this this carting and carrying and packing and sorting and and standing around waiting to be told what to do to getting back to working on the trees and then got to discuss things like you know field growing. With, with the people at the the nursery and start to really dig deep on a few different different things and then we get into um, into having dinner and everyone's calming down everything's settling down and 
the the days looks like it's sort of wrapping up and we got told that we'd be leaving at 5am the following morning to head to Tokyo, which I thought, that sounds great. You know, no problems at all. Go to bed early tonight, get up early tomorrow, in the car, off we go, all done, easy. So that was the plan. And then it uh, it all changed. We had a knock on the door at about nine o'clock saying that we are leaving immediately to head to Daijuen and we'll be staying there the night, so pack an overnight bag. It's like, <laughs> okay, let's go. So threw a couple of things into a, into a bag and we were getting told, come on, quick, 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 quick. So we had to um, jump into the vans and we tore over, left, left Achien at, in Nagoya at, at 9.30 and tore over to, um, to, to Daijuen and when we get there, the place was packed. The kitchen was loaded with people. There was bonsai professionals from from all different nurseries that had come together, and uh, we got told that we were all staying in one room in the house. So we got to sleep in the one of the upstairs bedrooms at Dajuen, and there was just basically dunas on the ground, and um, that was it. And you had to find your spot, put your put your stuff down there, and. And we got told, that's it, go to sleep. And I reckon uh, there was at least six to ten people in that room, all jammed in together side by side. And I remember thinking to myself, you've got to go to sleep quickly because if the snoring breaks out here, there's no chance of any sleep whatsoever. But I was so excited. I, I, the, the, I looked around, I, couldn't, I was pinching myself thinking, look at where you are on day six of your trip to Japan, you're in a room full of some of the best professionals uh, at Bonsai in Japan that I'd ever known, and you're at the the home of Pine Bonsai at Daijuen, and you know you, tomorrow you get to go to set up one of the best shows in the will be be part of the setup of one of the best shows in the world, and this the stuff it's like Bonsai dreams are made of, and I was sort of I, I remember trying to say to myself, just go to sleep, just go to sleep, go to sleep. And I put my my headphones in and put the music on gently, thinking, oh, yeah, this will this will help, this will help. And then started. Oh, my God. It was like a, like an orchestra of snoring. <laughs> just, it broke out around the place. And I remember stuffing my arms over my ears, turning the music up really, really loud. And, you know, that's not conducive to, to trying to get to go to sleep in the first place. But... It was uh, it was just mental. The snoring just went on and on and on. It seemed to be that um, these Japanese bonsai professionals could uh, could go to sleep at the drop of a hat, and I was uh, I was stuck there, just you know, really really tired, really wanting to go to sleep, but that was um, that was not going to happen. Then I'm just starting to doze. I don't know what time it was. It was really really late. And then you hear these footsteps coming down the hallway. So I looked at my watch. It's like 1.30 in the morning. The door kicks open and Mr. Suzuki is at the, <laughs> at the door, turns on the light and says, leaving now, immediately. So everybody flew out of bed. These guys woke up straight away out of dead sleep, snoring, woke up straight away. Everyone goes, right, that's it, let's go, pack your stuff. So all the little groups got together who was, um, was travelling together and grabbed my bag and we raced off raced off downstairs and the reason why we were going then was because the snow had started which wasn't expected until the following morning which is why we'd 
I found out later on that's why we'd gone to Daijuin to sort of get a bit of a head start in case this did happen. And it did. So we walked outside and it was the snow was was bucketing down. It was it was coming down pretty heavy. But they said we've got to go now, otherwise there's a chance it's gonna, you know, close off the, the motorway and we won't get through. So we jumped in and I was in a um uh, like a mini mover. And I was remember was with with two other people um in the van, myself and Mr. Tanaka and no, three other, three other people. Three other people, Mr. Tanaka and myself. So it was it was compact it was was squishy but um but you know we were we were going and we were driving and um i was amazed at how how sort of quickly we got going so by wake up at 1 30 in the vans by two we were um we we're on the road and they planned to stop every two hours so the convoy would sort of catch up you know the slower cars would sort of catch up with the quicker cars we'd meet at one of the um the truck stops along the way we'd stop have a have a, a bit of a break get a drink jump back in off we go again and it would rotate through drivers so I didn't I didn't have to drive but the uh, the apprentices all had their turn at driving for a sort of two hour blocks while everyone else tried to sleep and one of the uh, one of the things back in that at that time in Japan that was was very big was smoking and I remember being in this clean closed space two o'clock in the morning and the, the smoking starts and the windows are kept up because it's cold outside and the um the snow's, snow's coming down and I remember sitting there with my eyes burning from cigarette smoke <laughs> thinking this is just not what would happen in Australia. But it was um, it all compounded to be part of the experience for me. And I've got this really vivid memory and I, I took a photo at the time looking from the centre back seat at the front windscreen and you couldn't see anything. It was just snow coming down. The windscreen wipers going as fast as they could and you could barely see the, uh, see the, the, the line markings on the road. And we were just flying off to Tokyo like uh, like a bat out of hell, just completely focused on on achieving a target of getting there as quickly as we possibly could. So after stopping every two hours, next to zero sleep, being completely buggered, like knackered, completely knackered, we got there at about eight o'clock in the morning, which I was surprised at. It was um, it was quite a quite a, an efficient little trip, and we everyone jumps out, we park the cars at the Green Club, and we went for a um, for a walk around the corner, and then. Mr. Suzuki bought um, bought everyone breakfast, so we had a nice nice noodle soup and some rice for breakfast, and then we went back to the Green Club, and the combined nurseries had been allocated or purchased a, a stall area in one spot. So then it, then the setup began, and that's where the hierarchy of of how things are done really came to the fore. That you know there there's sort of layers of of authority with things, and obviously I was. I was right down the very back, so you'd sort of be told to stand to the back, and then if someone needed you, you'd get, "Hey, can you pick up that and put it here?" Or you know, "Can you go and do this?" Or "Can you go and see this person?" Or "Do do this or do that." And setting up these tables, it was sort of like you know, it was it was squabbling, but it all came together, and then the final say from the from the chief comes through and goes, "Yep, perfect, that's what we want." And then the trees start coming in, and they start getting put into place. And I even noticed that um, above the stand there was an air conditioning vent. A heating vent that was um, that was sort of blowing hot air. So one of the jobs people had was to block off the the vents so it didn't affect the trees. You know, all little things, stuff that you'd sort of you know you'd breeze over yourself. Seeing it at a professional level really changed for me. It was just an eye opening experience, and we got to um, got to hang around there doing the setup, which you know just took forever, just dragged on hour upon hour. And, and you look at it and think, if 
you know, if you're doing it yourself, it'd be a 10 minute job. A couple of tables, bit of tablecloth, a few stands, more more cloth on top of those, done, set, ready to go. But it was such fine finessing and fine detail and, you know, arguing to and fro which was right. And then the trees come in, it's like, no, that tree there, no, that tree over there, no, that's got to be in that corner, it's got to stand here, it's got to stand there. And I remember being, it was like setting up for a, for a bonsai show to display your trees in a way that was best to help them be sold, which was the idea of the Green Club is to sell, you know, nurseries go there to um, to sell their wares and, um, and you know, hopefully make, uh, make a bit of money on the, uh, on the way. So anyway, we got there at 8 and by the time setup happened, we left at about uh, 11.30 for, um, for a quick bite to eat and then um, we went off to Cockafoo. We drove over to – it was in a different venue at that stage because the, the original hall where it was presented year on year was being renovated. So I remember that it was a temporary thing that, um, that we had to go to a different different location and they were actually running – when it all got going, they were running buses between the Green Club and Cockafoo to, um, to sort of ferry people backwards and forwards, which is not normally the, um, normally the case. So anyway, we drove over to the venue, parked, and then, um, then the setup for Cockafoo started, which was just, just, just mind-blowing. It, it, um, seeing, seeing some of the best trees in a car park on trolleys getting wheeled in from all over Japan that had been, you know, selected, especially selected to, to make the cut to get in there and the stands themselves and the pots and everything just being absolutely perfect. It was right then that the penny dropped for me to think, you know, when you when you think about bonsai shows or when you think about, you know, your own trees that are going on display, that's that's the level of detail you should have and that should be your ultimate goal that you do the very best with the the resources that you've got and you prepare them thoroughly you know you make sure obviously no weeds but you know you you oil the pot to make that look absolutely perfect the mossing on top of these things has got to be spot on you know every needle's got to be in the right spot on that tree you know if anything's lacking fix it before it gets put on display and then the table select the stand that's that's appropriate for the tree and you know the accompaniment, whatever it is. You know, stone, an accent, whatever, whatever. You know, that's that's just as critical to it. And then when you put it on the table, it's not just slap it on the table. That was one thing that I, I really saw was, you know, seeing the professionals put their tree on their stand back, have a look, and then a bit of a shuffle here and a shuffle there. And there was one point where I took a photo of the initial setup, and then I saw them stand back and they were shuffling things. So I raced in, took another photo, and then you know I'm, I'm thinking. That, Looking at it going, there's there's no difference. I don't see what you're doing like that. That you know, centimeter move this way or the centimeter that way, or this going across here, or that changing to this, or that stand being moved to whatever. But I kept taking photos along the sequence, and then they went right, and they'll step back and went, that's it, perfect, done. And I remember looking back at the photos later on, going, you know, I remember the first one being really really good. And I looked at the first, and I went straight to the last. And swap between the two and went, I can see the difference. Oh, there's a massive difference. It makes it look it's it's the one percenters, it's those little things that, that presented it even better than than what it was originally. And that's where it's it's that elite level that that really brings out the best. It's not being finicky, it's not being pedantic, it's it's presenting it the best possible way for the viewer that you possibly can to highlight or accent, uh, whatever it is that you're you're putting in front of that that person at that particular time, which was which was amazing. And I remember walking around uh, Cockafoo. So once we'd we'd carted in all the stuff, 
it was sort of like, okay, free time. We got given um, each of the apprentices got given this uh, a ribbon, like a like a sort of small, imagine a best in show sort of ribbon. It's about the size of you know your fist, a round circle, red ribbon with red and white stripes sort of coming off down the bottom of it, and you had to pin it on. We got told you have to put it on because it it shows that we're with the professionals that we're not a professional, but we're with the professionals and we're entitled to be there because no one was around the place and. I was told that um, as part of uh, being there and doing that, I was allowed to take photos, which back in those days there was no photography whatsoever at the at the shows. Yeah, it's different now with, with digital phones and stuff like that, but back then you weren't allowed cameras at all in there, so I got to take photos of every setup in there and I remember being so excited, like as a kid in a candy store going around seeing these amazing trees and just photographing them all with absolutely no one else in the whole aisle of, of, of these beautiful show and I could focus in on the tables, I could focus on the pots, I could look at the structure of the trees, I could look at where they were wide, where they weren't wide, you know, just the the hows and whys and I remember that being one of the most amazing uh, learning curves that I've ever had, seeing seeing it from that perspective and then, you know, I was a bit blown away. At one point, Mr. Mr. Kimura comes walking around the corner it's like, it's like seeing a rock star. And then, you know, five minutes later, Mr. Shinji Suzuki comes walking around another corner. And it's like, these are people I've only ever seen in magazines. You know, it's might have seen a few photos here and there on the internet back in those days, but you know, really there was it was it would it blew me away. Like just seeing these people and getting that close to them. It was like it was a real fanboy moment for me seeing these these people that you sort of idolise and and read stories about that they're they're right there they they're within reaching you know, reach of you as they walk past and they smile and wave and whatever else and I found out that Mr Suzuki he had eighteen trees on on show that year and he was really uh, pushing to to take out um, top prize and and he did with a beautiful I remember it was a beautiful maple um, and it was uh, it was well well worth it but it was it was interesting to see that sort of people target different things with their trees that they use to present and sometimes it's not necessarily about winning but it's about representing and anyway it was um yeah it was a, it was certainly a uh, certainly incredible experience so we headed back uh after that after carting in to the um to the green club and i think we got back there at about about three o'clock late it was late in the day anyway getting getting on i was like i said i was thoroughly exhausted and um, there wasn't much happening. It seemed to be more of a socialising thing between professionals. So we sort of got to stand back again and walk around the green club. Now, when you think of a bonsai sales area, for me back then, it was more about um, thinking about my local club where you'd sort of see a batch of trees, you know, raw stock, that sort of thing for sale, a few pots here and there or whatever. The green club was just as good as the cockafoo set up and the trees on display were like, they they can't be for sale. They that's that's like a winner, and then I got told, oh no, they've that one's actually won. That one's won before too, and that they there's a a, a notion that they become worth less once they've won cockafoo. They they're actually worth more the the bonsai over there when they haven't won one of the major prizes because everyone's striving to achieve it with a tree that hasn't been. Uh, possibly seen before or been displayed before in that that environment, but then when they get there and they win, it's like yeah, okay, now you've won, you can't win again. So 
move on. And, and that's where people, collectors, will come around and they will acquire these trees and they'll go into private collections and they'll stay there forever and may get registered as an important tree. And it's, it's, it's just a completely different mindset from, from what, I'd, what I'd had up until, until that point. Walking around to the different sales areas and getting to meet the vendors and say hello and being from Australia was very different because there was no one there from Australia at that time and and the quality of the stock was like amazing and the prices to go with it were you know mind you they were they were incredible as well they were you know some of them were, were through the roof I'd never seen trees worth worth that much money before actually for sale and there was also a range of lower end stock which I would have put in my pocket and brought home with me any day of the week because it was um it was exceptional for the in the comparison to the stock that was available in in my local area at that time and the price that it was 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 very very affordable so I was um I was really super impressed with the green club and actually thought that 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 sort of drew more of my attention with um with all the bonsai knickknacks that were for avi- were available that never seen before and stuff that you could buy and people you could meet and anyway so we left the left the green club set up just after just after three or something like that and then zoomed back to Dajuen. thank goodness the um the snow had stopped got to stop on the way back at one of the truck stops and saw an amazing view of Mount Fuji that was um Remember that being, you know, just getting out of the truck and everyone's just sort of like, yeah, whatever. And I looked and went, that's the, that's the first time that I've seen it that close. The the very first time I saw it was on the plane on the way over, but the, the that was the closest I'd seen it sort of looking up at this this beautiful mountain where it was clear and there was no cloud around it and it was just right there. It was, the truck stop was right beside it, so it was um, it was a real real just one of those beautiful experiences that sort of compounded everything where I'd be pinching myself going, how seriously, how lucky are you? You're in Japan, you get to see all this stuff and experience it and, you know, you can see Mount Fuji, it's right there. It's, you know, that's, they reckon that once you see, if you see Mount Fuji, you're definitely coming back. Well, yeah, that happened, uh, that happened a few times. So, anyway, we flew back to, um, did the did the drop off at Daijuen, what we had to, stopped inside for a nice hot cup of green tea Everyone said thank you and farewells, and then we went back to uh, Tai Chien and had um, had, uh, had I think we I think we stopped on the way back there, and ultimately got home by about oh, ten o'clock. I think it was. I think we pulled in the yard at about ten, and <laughs> it's probably the longest two days of my life. But but seriously, every time my eyes would close, they'd pop open again. And think. I'd wrap out that tree and I'd look at my camera and go through the photos and go, oh, that was amazing. Geez, I hope one day I'll have a tree that good and oh, I'd look at the branch structure on this one and then I'd start to doze again and I'd be like, oh, I remember that stand that was on that Hanoki Cypress? Oh, have a look at that again. And it was, and then I looked at the bag of goodies of stuff that I'd bought, tools that I'd bought at the at the Green Club and anyway, it was just um, just amazing. So I remember jumping in the shower at about you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock and just being absolutely zombified, just completely bloody exhausted. And we got told that um, word got passed down the line that we're going to have a sleep in tomorrow. So the next day is going to be a, be a late start. And I went, oh, thank God, I haven't slept for two days. Like, what's a late start? And they said, uh, breakfast at 8.30, start at 9. It's like, okay, <laughs> I suppose that's better than 6 o'clock. <laughs> Let's see how we go with that. But that was um, that was one of the most amazing experiences. And that um, that 
that driving that that whenever I think about my that first time in Japan or, or my favorite memories of of going to learn and study in Japan and immerse myself in the culture the vision that I have the very first thing that pops in my head is that view from the back seat tearing middle of the night on a freeway with the snow coming down the windows up the, the cigarette smoke lingering around the the cabin of the of the car people talking loudly in the middle of the night and a windscreen wiper's going flat out trying to get rid of the snow off the off the front windscreen doesn't sound like much but to me it just completely embodied the fact that I'd immersed myself completely in the experience and that there was absolutely no way I was going to miss one second of this adventure or or be held back from from being part of it ever ever again and and that was when like I said it was a real the whole thing was a learning experience for me and there was just you know real big bombshells that went off everywhere around the way but this this one seeing seeing that set up and being involved at the start I think walking through I remember when a couple of days later I went back to to the through the exhibition and got to walk through you know got given a, a pass and got to go through as a as a true visitor and you know it was really nice walking through there looking at going yep yeah, I, I saw that one I saw that one get set up yeah, I helped carry that one in. Yeah, I know whose tree that is, and I, that, that's whatever. And yeah, I saw that tree. I thought it was going to win, and yeah, it did win. And that's Mister Suzuki's, and and whatever. And I, I remember being there by myself, and you know, just walking through. And it was like being on a on a conveyor belt. If you imagine, there's just an absolute stream of people coming in there, and as you get to walk through because you're sort of getting pressure from behind to keep walking because more people want to come through, and there's just so many trees in this in this display. That as as you start walking through, you sort of look at it, and you've got a couple of seconds, five, ten seconds, maybe before the person behind you sort of pressures forward, and you've got to take a walk to the next tree. Five, ten seconds, pressure forward, and it was look, I I loved it. It was amazing. I thought it was. I remember at the time doing it and being on that conveyor, and you get sort of you know fifty, sixty odd trees in, and I suddenly. A uh, light bulb went off in my head going, how disrespectful is this? These, from myself, not, from, not I don't mean that against the people sort of pressuring me to walk, but I felt I felt disrespectful the way that I was looking at the trees. Like these bonsai were some of the most amazing in the world and people had put their life into them. Their, their generations had gone into these things to make them exactly what they were to be on display in front of me right then and there and I give it 10 seconds and then I'm on to the next tree and it was like, that's not fair. That's that's totally not fair, and so that was one of the big things for me was that I learned, which I I still use to this day. Whenever a tree is presented to me in whatever fashion it is, whether it's I'm looking at someone's tree on on display, and they know I'm looking or not, I don't care. But whenever I look at someone else's bonsai or a pre bonsai or or someone wants me to talk about, you know. A, a whip, a seedling that that's going to become a bonsai one day in the future, then I give it my absolute respect because at that time I felt it almost ashamed. It's I'm not trying to dramatise it, not trying to blow it out of proportion, but I remember at the time going, "Wow, oh, that's that's shocking." If I'd done that, if that was my bonsai, and someone just went, "Yeah, it's nice," and moved on, you go, "Hang on a minute, that thing's been with me for thirty years." I've I've worked thirty years on this thing for such a long time to get it to this point that I could in this very moment put on display so you could give me 
your time and devotion to look at it. And, you know, I talked about the fundamentals of design, you know, the thought that goes into designing these these bonsai and then you give it 10 seconds, that's, that's, that's shocking. That's so rude. Well, that's how I felt about myself. So from then on, I would stop. And if someone wanted to go past, I would just take a step back into the middle of the aisle and you can imagine a conveyor going one way and then coming back the other on the other side of the aisle and I'd sort of step into the middle and I'd stay there and go, no, no, it's, it, 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 that tree deserves more of my time. And then I also got to appreciate so much more the fact that I was able to be there with nobody in the place and take photos and study and analyse and 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 give my time and devotion to these trees when I was doing the setup that was like became even more valuable to me looking looking at around the room going you know if you'd if you'd paid to travel from melbourne australia where i am to japan to come along to do kokafu and you came in as i did and you were on the conveyor belt of looking at these trees then you'd you'd still love it but i don't think well i'm certain that i wouldn't have got as much out of it i would have looked at it and come home and gone that's a that's a brilliant show Amazing trees, really, really nice. But, you know, you couldn't take photos. Yeah, you couldn't stop and look at them. You had to keep moving. You couldn't analyse the trees. You couldn't study them. You couldn't, you know, look up under the branch structure and see how things had been developed. And, you you know, you couldn't couldn't look at the pots and take in all the grandeur of these things that are, you know, possibly older than Australia. It's, you know, the current settlement of Australia anyway. But, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things that just, you know, was to me just, just really soak this up and absorb as much as you possibly can because the chances of being ever able to do this ever again are so minute that it, it may never happen. So it was um, – it was I looked through my notes before I started this podcast and one of the things I'd highlighted and circled was absolute madness, <laughs> which, which it was, but it was so exciting that, you know, sitting down with these people that, you know, at, at some of the – best bonsai people in the world and and just being in their presence and and learning from them and seeing what they've done and and how they do things and how they transport trees and all the stuff that you you never get shown or never get taught that you can sort of pick up only by being there in the moment that was what um, what I got to achieve so anyway that was um that was a really special time for for me and I uh, I wanted to devote this whole podcast to it because it's it's only you know, it's only a couple of days in the in the scheme of things, but it was it was transformative. It was it was incredible, and and uh, it's like a, a permanent scar, a bonsai scar on my on my persona. That's it for this podcast. Thank you for thank you for sticking around. Hopefully, it was uh, as of interest to you. And um, there's not much. Uh, there's there's more learnings from the trip in Japan, which I'll which I'll nut out in the uh, next few podcasts. But um, that uh, that was the most most memorable part for it. There's lots of other things I learned, techniques and strategies, and and all that sort of stuff, and lots of feel good moments, which I'll, I'll cover off sort of in the, in future podcasts. But. Um, Thank you for thank you for sticking around. Really appreciate everyone that listens and and contributes. And if you need to reach out to me, do it through the the socials. Just search for Bonsai Matsu, and I will um, I will get in touch with you as soon as I possibly can. And I uh, I do appreciate it. It's so nice to know that there's um, a lot of happy people around the world enjoying bonsai. That um, they get as much out of it as as what I do. So um, there's uh, there's plenty more to come. So. 
Until next time, happy bonsai.